Hello and welcome to the Untitled English Minds podcast. I'm Connor and with me as ever is Tiki Lambert himself. Hello Sheridan. <laughs> Tiki Lambert. Then it's a good nickname. I like that. Hello Connor mate. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, thank you very much and uh, belated happy birthday to you. Obviously the criteria for hosting this podcast is that your birthday is at the end of January it seems. I don't, don't know how we've managed it but it's worked out for us. No, that's the, the perfect way to do it. It's a, it's a shame we didn't start this uh, so we could have a, a year's anniversary episode but I'm sure we'll get around to that in the summer. To be honest, the way that things are going, I'm, I'm not sure we're going to make it that long show but um, you know, we, we, we keep plugging away. Obviously, it's been a little while since we last did a podcast due to the freezing cold weather giving us a much appreciated reprieve from watching Mainz play Union at home last week. Um, so we haven't missed the game in the interim. We've, but as as I said, both uh, a little bit older and wiser. I think I was thinking this should become a good podcast because there is a lot to discuss. But then the game happened. We didn't sign anyone, uh, and I think we're both just both of the opinion tonight that this is going to be a bad episode, and we just need to get out, get out there, get it done and move on to the next one. Yeah, if you're in a positive mood while you're listening to this, if you're bouncing along the street on your way to work, if you're you've just had a nice dinner with the family and you just if you're just in a good place right now, switch off the podcast because this isn't going to be one for you. Yeah, and also if you're in a bad place then I don't want to add to your load. So I I just want <laughs> people that are just kind of sat in purgatory uh, to listen to this because I think that's probably a good headspace at which to approach what minds are all about at the moment to be honest I think sadly neither here or there uh so as we said no transfer business going into the game so the situation is very much the same as we discussed at the end of the pod on the Wolfsburg game and uh yeah let's get into it so we had a few changes to the team which drew a couple of weeks ago um Fernandez was injured so Dominic Core dropped from midfield uh, into the defense Leandro Pereira came back in, um, Mave Papella reverted to the bench and Richter came back in. Otherwise, I think it was the same team. Um, and the main point of discussion really before the game showed, I don't know if you see this the same way, uh, was more about the bench than the starting lineup. I think the starting lineup is just the same as ever, really, sort of question marks. Is it going to be a back four? Is it going to be a back five? It's probably going to be a back five because it's Mainz. Um, but the, the bench was pretty weak. Uh, with Gruder injured, I think Ajork was the only attacking substitute. And I was just thinking, if we don't get this right from the off, this is going to be a long night. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, th- I agree totally. Um, the, the starting eleven almost picks itself to a certain degree. The only real topic of conversation is, is like you say, whether we're going to go in with a back four or back five. Um, we were kind of settled into the back five because that is the system that, that both Svensson played and that is the system that Jan Ziver, despite positive steps forward uh, before Christmas, has decided he wants to play. Um, but obviously the big topic of the conversation is the fact that we only named seven substitutes. Um, and okay, one of those seven wasn't an attacking player, but I think the the overarching problem is is that for whatever reason, for a game 30 kilometres away, um, we, we can't name a full bench. And, and you can't tell me that there's players... Um, in the under 23s or even in the under 19s um, that, that wouldn't have deserved to at least have sat on the bench for those 90 minutes. I think of Danny Schmidt, for example, from the 23s. He was involved massively in pre-season and there were talks of uh, promoting him into the first team. Um, clearly, the club has decided that he's not uh, ready first team material because they haven't promoted him. But it, it, I don't understand why you wouldn't take him with you um, solely as another attacking option to sit in what is an otherwise free space. What's the point in having free spaces on the bench? Um, and it, for me, that is, I've, st- I've started off fuming. This <laughs> this is exactly what I was saying about negatives. I've just caught my my trail of my tone. Um, but for, for me, that, that it's 
it, do, it just doesn't bear resemblance to how a Bundesliga club, how a top division club would operate. The what because what what sign does that give these players um, in the 23s and the under 19s that for a game our, our local game the game that is around the corner we, we're not even going to take you with us we don't see you uh, any value of taking you with us so we'd rather have an empty space on the bench and what that left us with was one attacking potential attacking change which is to bring on a jork and whether that's an attacking change or a shoot yourself in the foot change depends on your uh, feelings of a jork at that moment in time yeah, I mean, two thoughts on that. So the, the first one is, like, obviously, like the under twenty threes aren't even playing at the moment because there's the winter break at the like regular Liga level uh, at the moment. So they're not. I mean, maybe they're on holiday, but I wouldn't imagine so. You'd think like a lot of them would probably want to come back if they were sort of offered the chance to sort of sit on the bench for the first team. Uh, and secondly, just the fact that before Christmas we had players from the that level of team. In the matchday squad, I think of Lasse Wilhelm, who even got on against Heidenheim, I think it was. I, I Not that I think he would have sort of changed the, the game, but it's weird. I mean, I didn't even notice the fact that there were seven players on the bench because the second thing I wanted to come on to is that I'm so League 2 English football pilled where there is only seven subs that I just <laughs> I forget that you're allowed nine in, in the Bundesliga. And uh, yeah, honestly, uh, it, it passed me by and then I saw it afterwards and I was like... Oh yeah, no, that, that's right. Um, why why haven't we got options? And I, I suppose the issue that we've got now is we sold a lot of our attacking depth in the summer to bring through the sort of younger um, attacking players like Kruder and Viper um, from the under 19s. They're the players fro- probably from that sort of academy level that you want to bring up, um, and then they're injured, so you can't actually have them in there. But then I don't know. I don't think the like attacking depth in those uh, sort of it, in the under 19s like go so deep that there's people that you don't really want to bring up immediately but then at the same time we're sort of a self-confessed club that cares a lot about youth development so like you say just bring them along expose them to a first team environment oh we've not even started talking about the game <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah so that was the lineup that was the bench uh we go into the game and i think i don't know about you but I was trying to be positive and sort of, I was looking forward to the game anyway. Uh, it's first game in a little while. Um, Frankfurt away, I think is always, is a good away day. I really like the stadium there and all that kind of stuff. And you know that even though it's an away day, you're back home in an hour or so, depending on if there's a train running hmm. uh, on time. Uh, so it's very, it, it, all, all good vibes, but I was just kind of thinking, you know, Frankfurt seemed to be hitting a little bit of a stride. I don't know if I can, if I even believe that we're going to get anything from this. And actually, the first half positively surprised me in that we weren't the worst. We weren't, we weren't awful, but we weren't good. Yeah, I think it was one of those games where nobody was good and nobody was was bad. It was just a bad game of football. Like I had a, a couple of lads, a couple of mates in England watching the game, texting me throughout the game, and just saying, "This is a dross game of football. This isn't worth watching." Um, and one of the conversations I was having with one of the guys near me in the stadium, he's saying, you know, um, it's all well and good, but, you know, Frankfurt haven't deserved to win this game. And it's like, well, no. And if you look at that on the basis that Frankfurt were poor on the day, then it says a lot about the fact that we can't break them down. Um, and and I, I've got to a point now where I just, I don't care what the opponent plays like because we never show enough to show that if even if they do play poorly, um, that we're going to play well enough to break them down and, capitalise on that and take advantage of those scenarios. Um, and it is, it's shown 
how poor the game was. I mean, if you look at the highlights, if you watch the highlights, I think the the actual first piece of footage from the game was after 25 minutes, half an hour. Um, like you, you text yourself into a group at some point and saying, this is the most nil-nil game of football I've watched in a long time. Um, and, it, and it was really dire. But at no point did I also have that kind of, hey, this lot are poor, we're going to take the game to these. You know, we have a chance of taking advantage and taking three points here. Um, and I think that's synonymous for me of the entire season and how I feel about this team at the moment. I just, I have no confidence in them whatsoever. Yeah, I, th- I think you can say that Frankfurt didn't do enough to win the game necessarily by without by also sort of recognising in the same breath that well, neither did we. And secondly, if you're not going to create any chances, you're not going to score and you're going to be liable to either shooting yourself in the foot or a moment of just sort of randomness happening. And that's pretty much what Robin Zentner said after the game in terms of if you don't have a shot on goal, you can't score. I mean, yeah, barring a miracle, I guess, of a stupid own goal. That, that, that bit's my embellishment, not Robin Zentner's statement. And then all they need is half a chance. Mm. Uh, and you win one nil, you go wait. Thank you, easy three points. Yeah, and absolutely. I don't think Frankfurt had to do that much. I don't think they played anywhere near the sort of ceiling of their capabilities. I think it was just very much a go in, contain them. Um, they probably would have liked to have come onto us a little bit more. I don't think we ever really looked particularly in danger of conceded, conceding. Then all of a sudden, the uh, balls in the back of the net, and I mean that was maybe ten minutes after I'd proclaimed it the most nil 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 games <laughs> that I've watched in a while. And usually then you'd be like, well, oh, I've shot myself in the foot there. Um, I've, I've tempted fate. Uh, the way that the game continued, where we didn't attack them, yeah. it's kind of like, well, do you know what? I'm still right. <laughs> it might, yeah. It's a very very nil nil game. It just happens to be that a team scored from um, a very freaky uh, incident. But I think we should try and sort of dig into some of the stuff that happened. So. Do you remember that f- the first chance of the game, Sheridan? No. <laughs> you rem- remind me. Well, so I kind of had forgotten this because uh, in the stadium it was given as offside. But um, do you remember that there was a shot, uh, there was a, a chance that kind of came out quite far out to core, who just volleyed it sort of goalwards. Um, and then Richter just randomly was on the edge of the six yard box and found the ball. And then he turned it over. Apparently, he was like at ages on side, uh, and that would have counted if he'd been able to get anywhere near <laughs> the target. Um, so I guess that was a chance. Uh, but not only was Kors shot going miles wide, <laughs> Richter's shot ended up going miles over. So it, yeah, I, th- I think that's a, a good point to make of how I feel about this team as well. Is I have absolutely no recollection of that happening. So at some point, I've watched that and gone, he's not going to score anyway, and stopped paying attention to it. And it's just completely <laughs> slipped my brain. Yeah, no, honestly, I remember it happening now. I've seen it, but like, I remember just thinking, oh, this, this is obviously offside, so <laughs> who cares? Uh, and yeah, from our other end of the pitch, it was wrong. It was it was onside, uh, and unfortunately, it uh, wasn't turned in. I think Vidma had a shot blocked at one point. Yep, uh, But that's that one. about it from our perspective. Uh, in in the first half, I think that Vidma shot was basically all of our XG in that half as well, which uh, came yeah. up very very low. I think at zero point zero nine in the first. Yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna interject there as well and 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 actually take a positive because it's a it's a good chance actually for Vidma and the defender makes a really good blocking tackle because if he doesn't make that, then it, it's it's on target at least. And the goalkeeper might have got to it, but it was it would definitely been a chance. 
he gets unlucky in the end. That, and we've spoken about this previously with the balls just not falling for us in that the, the defenders come across and made an excellent tackle and then it just ricochets off Vidma's face and bounces away for a goal kick. I feel like at the other end of the pitch, the, the ball would have ricocheted into the top corner or something. Um, yeah. But, you know, to, to have actually a bit of positivity into this podcast, it was a very good chance. And I don't know who the defender was, but 10 out of 10 uh, for the recovery. Yep, uh, fair play. Uh, I think, to be honest, I'm also struggling to think of Frankfurt chances. I think they, they did have a little bit of kind of attacking possession where they looked like they might do something and then just, I, I don't know, maybe we banked in quite well. Obviously, defensively, we're not the worst team in the league now. Um, and maybe the, the only complaint about it is just what that does to our overall attacking play. But I can only think of like a flicked header on the edge of the box from a bimba. That's probably about it from Frankfurt's perspective as well. It, I think they as well really didn't create very much. No, so no, not not worthy of, of any real note, I don't think. Well, there we go. That was the first half. <laughs> We've covered that in record time. Um, let, let, let's get a half-time vibe check from you, Sheridan. So what were you thinking? I, I wasn't thinking a lot, to be honest. I, I ended up a bit deeper into the active scene for the game than I have been in recent weeks. So I was focusing on um, trying to get behind the team and, and having a good time with uh, some of the lads down there. But... Uh, of what I can think of, of what I'd seen of the football, it was just it was it was typical Mainz, and you was actually you could, you could see and you could feel in a lot of the lads around you that you're just struggling to to get involved and they're struggling to get behind the team because the the whole kind of like ultras culture is you support into the end and and this that and the other you just get behind the team no matter what happens. Um, but a lot of that comes from what you're shown on the pitch, and if you are consistently offered nothing in return then it's difficult to offer up unconditional support. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's a difference between like genuine enthusiasm and like making yourself be enthusiastic, hoping yeah. it's going to lead to the genuine enthusiasm. Exactly. Yeah. At some point, that's the, the kind of feeling I had. There was a lot of people, not necessarily just within the active scene, but the, the kind of feeling around the entire away block was was just kind of forcing yourself to be there. It's like a Friday <laughs> night. There's, there's just better things I could have been doing with my Friday night rather than standing in the cold in Frankfurt having gone through all kinds of loops and, and, and hurdles to get there because of train strike and whatnot. Yeah, uh, I think for me, I mean, I was just focused on sort of toilet, beer, back in the block, back back to the like decent view uh, that I had. Uh, saw more of the game than I do most away games from where I was, which was quite nice. Um, and yeah, just kind of thinking what the thing is, if, if it's nil-nil, you're within punching distance of going ahead, uh, but then you've got to go out there and want it and you need to do something to create it. And to be fair... A one, a one really golden chance of the game does come basically immediately after the break, a couple of minutes into the first half, not first half, the, first, the second half. Um, Richter sort of turns, puts a lovely cross in, and Anisivo just doesn't make any contact with it at all. Yeah. Uh, and I think at that moment, I was just like, I don't know, if, don't know how much more optimism I can gather. Like quite yeah. often with teams, if you're going to create a chance like that that you're not going to get on the end of, you start thinking, right, here we go, head of steam building up here. Whereas for me, I was just kind of like, oh, well, that was the chance, wasn't it? Was was this the ball across the box where he he doesn't not just get on the end of it, he falls over? Or was that later in the in the half? Because there, I, there's definitely a, a chance, a moment we got the ball out on the left-hand side, hit the byline and whipped one across the six-yard box into the, and I finally get to use my favourite phrase in football, the corridor of uncertainty. Whipped it in across between centre-half and... Uh, uh, and goalkeeper and we're watching it going well the keeper's not getting here on his Evo steaming in you can see him coming from the edge of the 18 yard box and I think he either falls over his own feet or he goes over Johnny Borkard's feet 
And at that point, oh, you just, yeah, that was in that was actually in the first half. I think. Was that in the first half? Yeah, there where they where they ran into each other basically. It was yeah. Um, it's just yeah. So this one, he just misses the ball. Right. And I just wanted to say how, how emblematic it is for our season that we're on episode fourteen of this podcast, and you've only just used the, <laughs> the phrase <laughs> "corridor of uncertainty." <laughs> I, my favorite term in football. I've been waiting for six months to be able to use that. It's like the lads hit the byline, and he's just whipped it across between defender and goalkeeper. But but yeah, no, I. I know the, the chance you're talking about now and it's yeah it is it's a golden chance it's one of those you either get there or you don't um and he's in this case obviously uh he's not got there and um after that I, I don't think we we came forward I don't think there's anything worth talking about that there was actually derived of our own int- attacking intent yeah there is a lot of the ball in their half without real probing um i think frankfurt as well they had a spell where they looked like they might do anything without really troubling zentner but then all of a sudden it's one nil uh and again this is the, the flip side of being at nil nil is you're only a punch away from being a goal down yeah uh it's a shot a, a nothing shot from sort of miles out that just kind of deflects straight into the path of mario goetze who misses and then the ball falls to him so he's, he's got lucky to get the ball in the first place he then misses it and gets lucky that the rebound is straight on his head and he just nods it home. Uh, and I think, to be honest, for me, I was like, this is very weird, but I didn't really question it. But we're at the other end of the ground, so you can't really see there. Um, all of a sudden, VAR comes in and is having a look at it. And then you just see later on when you're looking at the picture that just the heel of Dominic Kors playing him on. Yeah. Uh, as soon as Gertz gets the ball, he's just taking a touch and uh, we're appealing for offside for some reason rather than playing on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not that that necessarily would have got like would have necessarily sort of stopped the goal from happening, but it just created a very, very weird moment where, you know, maybe the second ball off the center made the save if you played on. Maybe it wouldn't have been a goal, I don't know. But um it's one of those ones where you just kind of look at it and fair play to the linesman for spotting that he was on side because it was very, very tight. Mm. Um but it's just a really annoying goal because it's the sort of thing that we need to happen for us. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's one of those that you know, happens in a game. But I, th- I think the, the the thing that annoys me the most is exactly what you're saying there is that everybody stops. Is if you watch the goal back, the ball gets played or it gets a shot on goal from the, from the Frankfurt player, um, and it ends up finding its way to Goethe, who who turns on a sixpence. To be fair to him, and and it gets a shot away that Zentner does well. He comes out, he closes down the angle. Um, Goethe tries to almost loop it over him, chip it over him, almost like a a, a moving Penenka. Um, and then it's the ball's flipped up in the air and, and Gertz has got all the time in the world to just nod the dropping ball into an open goal. Um, but but core stops, Vandenberg stop. Um, all of them do uh, with their arms in the air claiming offside. And you think, like, these are Dominic Kors in his early 30s. He has been around the blocks in the Bundesliga. Seth Vandenberg has highly rated. He's come from Liverpool. He's highly rated by Jurgen Klopp. Okay, he's a young lad. He's a bit more inexperienced, but he's playing at a level where play to the whistle uh, is second nature. You shouldn't have to have this conversation. But for whatever reason, they both do just stop and watch what happens. And the only time that you see anyone make any kind of decision is um, when Core realises that the ball's about to drop onto Gertz's head. He kind of takes a step forward and then gives up anyway because he realises he's too far away. And in those situations, you say... It, it riles me up in a in a big way because and it will sound like a massive yadar comment to say 
but it is basic. It's so simple. And for whatever reason, like even going forward is one thing, but defensively, um, we, you look at the, the, uh, Wolfsburg goal from two or three weeks ago, core was out of place in that position and, and, uh, left Cassie, um, without much of a chance in hell. But it's it's really basic mistakes that are conceding these one, maybe two goals a game. And if you're in a situation where you're not actually scoring goals, you can't afford to make basic mistakes because that one goal means losing the game again. Well, do you know what the other thing that's annoying about it is that it's just the complete wrong attitude to have to, like I say, not play to the whistle in the sense that maybe, may, well, how, how long have we had for now? Like five years. So maybe before then, it makes sense to just kind of stop and see if you can gamble on the referee's going to go with you rather than uh, sort of, yeah, go against you. I mean, it still would have been un- unwise, but you can kind of see like the gamesmanship angle of uh, we're going to convince the referee that is clearly offside and see what happens. Um, but that angle doesn't exist now because yeah. they're just going to they're just going to carry on playing and then they're going to check that it's offside or not, which is what happened. But we stopped playing, so we didn't give ourselves the chance of sort of preventing that goal from happening. Exactly. Yeah. So that's one level. The other thing that's just really frustrating, and it's like just it's a Jan Zivert thing, but barely making any changes. I think so. That goal goes in in the seventy third minute. We then wait another eight nine minutes to make any more substitutions. One of them's Maxim Leitch coming on, which again, it's just like I'm very happy to see Maxim Leitch play because he's a good defender. Uh, but in terms of a substitution to get us back in the game, it did move us to a back four, um, and then a Jork did come on as well. But just in terms of substitutes you want to be making to get back into a game at one 0 down, it just it felt like we were trying to defend a one 0 loss, <laughs> which is really bizarre at this stage of the season. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, and it, it's I keep using the word synonymous because there's just so many examples of the entire kind of attitude at the club at the moment. Um, but but I was reading a report this morning saying that that we've scored less goals now in uh, Zivert's reign in the same amount of games as the likes of Bayer Lorza and uh, Jan Moritz Lichter had. And th- those were dark times three or four years ago. That's when we took like five points, six points from the, the first 17 games of the season and looked absolutely doomed uh, to relegation. Like the, the changes that were made when Svensson came in um, saved the kind of situation that we are in now. Um and, it, and it, it leads forward to the what is being spoken by a lot of people around the club um, that we are, and a lot of people within the press now, people picking it up, is that we are just sleepwalking our way into the second league. And nobody, even you know, even higher up, we're, I'm sure we'll come on to the the transfer business or lack thereof um, in a few moments. But the club is sleepwalking its way into the second division, and nobody seems to want to do anything about it. Yeah, no, it's weird. I I wrote in my newsletter that I do sort of after most games at the moment uh, that I think it's kind of admirable that we kind of try and stick at our way of doing things in terms of they've they brought up a coach uh, and they're going to stick with him and they'll probably give him more patience than he actually deserves. Uh, I mean, I think we already did by giving him the job based on the first seven, eight games that he had before the turn of the year. Um, but it's really annoying that you kind of you you go into you're two games into a, a manager's sort of reign as head coach uh, in terms of since he got given the position as a full time thing, and you're already sort of asking questions about whether he's the right man for the job uh, because, like you say, you wait you wait eight nine minutes of 
the remaining 20 of the game to make substitutions. You don't go particularly attacking at that point. The team fails to create any chances. You can probably say that the way that we set up in terms of not creating very many chances in the whole game is wrong um, to begin with. And then, like you say, like someone somewhere needs to take a little bit of responsibility here and just kind of liven things up a little bit more. Uh, in terms of, ultimately, mistakes that have happened in the past have been made and it, it matters, but what matters more is like what you do to put them right. And it's like, you know, we, we've kind of slept on the summer transfer window. So far, we've slept on the January transfer window, which has meant that a decent squad has just gone backwards for two windows in a row. Uh, and like someone needs to do something about it. Uh, whether that's a manager kind of looking at who he's got and reconfiguring it in a way that's going to sort of make us a little bit more dangerous going forward, create some chances, I don't know. Whether it's dipping into the academy saying, here's a couple of guys that I worked with at under 23 level that could offer us something. Here's someone in the under 19 level who's doing really well, could do something. Um, do something about that. But And the main thing is... You've got a sporting director in there who's basically his job is to do transfers. Here's the one month for the rest of the season, or now it's three, four days of the rest of the season that you can actually do them uh, to any sort of standard. Go out and sign a few players because we need a goal scorer. We need a couple of creative players because we're not creating any chances. Uh, and and that's an, an absolute minimum. And I think at this point, speculating on free players, you know, you could, you could lose some money on that. Uh, but then you sort of give yourself a better chance of not losing more money by going down. Uh, so it just seems to me to be the, the most, imp- what they should be doing at the moment with their time and money. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the, we will see what happens. I don't think the, the, the buck stops entirely with Jan Ziva. I, I do feel a little bit sorry for him because he's, he plays his football and whether you like his style of football or not is, is one conversation, but he's inherited a squad that isn't, uh, isn't at the level it should be at. Um, and it isn't being uh, improved. Whether it's his decision to only take seven substitutes uh, with one striker to, to Frankfurt, a team who are uh, good at, at, at ourselves that are struggling to score goals, that's, you know, again, a conversation for itself. Um, but for me, it's the, it's the transfer business that is it's unbelievably frustrating. I, I cannot, for all the love in the world, explain to anybody or or come up with a, an idea as to why we wouldn't have made any transfer business in this window. Any logical reasoning for not having made some kind of move um, other than the club's bankrupt. There's there's just no money there to go out and make deals, which, you know, fine. If it is, it is, whatever. Um, it, but if, if the club is looking at that and we're pursuing this idea, we've heard it from Schmidt and Heidel in press conferences recently, if we're pursuing this idea of, yeah, but players are going to be coming back from injury soon, um, so they're basically uh, extras into the squad, um, then we deserve to go into the second division and it will lie entirely on their shoulders. Um, yeah, and I, I think that the thing is like basically any critique that you can make of the manager now, uh, like I, I think you're right, is probably on a personal level for him unfair because he's been dealt a hand and it's quite a poor hand. I think he might be playing the poor hand poorly, uh, but it's also a poor hand. But any critique of him and how he's going about his work is actually a critique of the people above him because he was put into the position two games ago. So ultimately, anything that's going wrong wrong at the moment, you know, the sort of Martin Schmidt and Christian Heidel have had in very, very recent past a chance to sort of shape the direction of the club through who's managing the team and also for the past four weeks and for the next three days after we release this, uh, they have a chance to sort of shape the trajectory of the club through the squad. Even if that's, you know, we let Eamon Barcott go, you'd imagine even if we don't have very much money, that at least opens up the funds for Mm. someone to come in in that position that might have had more of an impact than he did. So... 
But Barkwood uh, going to Hertha makes even less sense if we don't do any business, if we don't bring another player in. Because what you've done then is just uh, let a player go and not replace that position in, in any shape or form, which in the winter transfer window does, simply does not make sense. Unless Barkok himself, Eamon Barkok himself, who has played football this season, he scored goal this season, remember his equaliser away, or no, the goal that puts him front away at Mönchengladbach uh, in October, I think it was. Um, if, if we've just let him go for the sake of letting him go because he's decided he wants to play more 90 minutes, um, then it's just another shot in the foot. And it is another way of pushing us down to the second division without doing anything active to try and stop that from happening. Um, which... I don't know if if you did if you can conscientiously and consistently in any job in the world did things that that harmed your uh, company or the position you're in you get the sack and mm. I you know it, I'm not out here to say I don't know enough to be able to come out here and say Schmidt and Heidel deserve the sack but slowly you you have to look at them and go why aren't you doing the job you're there to do what what is it that needs you to realise how desperate a situation this is slowly becoming actually is yeah and and I think if the problem is that the hands genuinely are tied in the financial sense. You need to actually present the information to people so that they accept that that's the reality. Uh, in terms of there was a, a an AGM towards the end of the year where they basically said that they'd made a loss in the previous year, but that was only because of signing um, Ajork and Hanja Olsen in January. Otherwise, it would have been fine. So what's the difference between now and previous years? I, I don't know because I, I, I'm not literate on these kind of things. Um, and it, it's a complicated topic anyway. Uh, so I would just like to know from someone that knows within the club, like what is the reason why we sort of seem to be sort of dancing around the like main sort of meat and bones of the situation uh, why aren't we making correct decisions a lot more of the time than we actually are um is it that we're making mistakes or our hands tied i don't know but uh, we'll find out potentially as things come out in the wash over the rest of the season and in the future i think one thing that's like an interesting development we'll, maybe we'll close on this before we do our man of the match which that'll be the biggest barrel scrape no. of the uh, the year um i think it's after the window closes on Thursday, there's going to be um, a talk between the sporting leadership of the club um, and the fans. So the, 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 the club have organised this event. Uh, so it'd be, it'd be very interesting to see if sort of quotes come out of that or people sort of come out of that with a different vibe to what they go into in mm. terms of understanding what's going on. Maybe they're banking on... Uh, will have made some good signings by then and people will be happy. I think there have been a couple of links uh, in the day leading up to us recording this podcast, although mostly bringing in loans from Frankfurt, Yeah, <laughs> interestingly. Well, that's that's a point in itself is, you know, we, we're going on about not having made any transfers and we want them to make transfers. And if they do bring in, I think it's Ngam, Ngankam and Aronson uh, from Frankfurt that we're kind of loosely or directly linked with, um, that we'll be happy that we've brought players in. But again, it... I think on the flip side of that coin, you're also allowed to say, well, these appear to be quite desperate signings. You know, there's a difference between usefully using the network around you and, you know, Frankfurt have played in Europe recently. They have an excellent um, youth system as well. There are players from there that we can use. But if, if we're looking at them and going, you know, we're a second rate club compared to you, we're just going to take off your your lads that aren't quite ready. Um, then you're not giving yourself much of a fight either. Um, and it, it smacks of January a couple of years ago when we brought in Dominic Corr and Danny DaCosta. Like, okay, you know, these these lads have gone to become ex- established um, first-team players. Um, but it's not the kind of signing that you're looking at. You've looked around and gone, this is genuinely a player that's going to make a difference to our season. We've looked at Frankfurt and gone, do you have anyone spare, lads? Because we could kind of use with someone. And 
okay, bringing players in is one thing, but there's a big difference between, like I say, using the network around you and not trusting yourself or backing yourself to go into the open market elsewhere. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think the, the signings of Corn da Costa back then was kind of adding leadership to the squad. And I don't know much of Aronson and, uh, and Gankam, if those are sort of accurate links or not, uh, to know if that's what they're going to add. But they're a lot younger in profile and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think it would be a different thing. Ultimately, we're in, it's a different challenge for us as well in terms of what we are missing as a team is... I think clearly different to a couple of years ago. Like we have got a spine, we just need quality on top of it. So it it might be something that's sort of worth looking at anyway. I don't know. We will find out. Time will be the bearer of all truth, Sheridan. But uh, man of the match, we said that we're going to do it come rain or shine. The spreadsheet won't fill itself. (laughs) Who are we going for? I am really struggling. I have really struggled. I'm going to go with Robin Sentner purely because of his comments after the game. In terms of the 90 minutes on the pitch, I don't have a man in the match, but I'm going to go with Zentner for the game um, because he's the first person that I've heard come out and be more honest about the situation and to actually back himself and say, we're not going to win football matches if you don't score goals. It sounds easy, but fans say it all the time, but to hear a player actually come out and say, we're struggling for this reason, I think um, wins my man of the match for the for the day. Yeah, he would be the same for me and for the same reasoning. I think the if it was a narrative that was being pushed by other people, then he wouldn't get as much credit for coming out and naming a very obvious problem. But the fact is that after the game, Dominic Kaur and Jan Tivet also went on the TV and gave interviews where they kind of weren't critical of how it was going and just kind of said, you know, this is what happens. This is unfortunate. Uh, so, uh, yeah, to actually say what I was thinking when I was watching the game, at least there's someone in that sort of in that dressing room that's sort of seeing the game, same game that I am. Uh, so, yep, all props to him, and uh, hopefully those words will have been heeded. Uh, any final thoughts before we call it a night? Not that we've already said, but we've got uh, a, a big home game on Saturday against Werder Bremen, um, and then is it? It will be immediately afterwards, won't it? That we've got Union at home again. Um, so the next couple of podcasts could be fun like there could be some hope in my voice or or there could be just pleading for (laughs) an end to my misery because um i think we'll know by about two weeks from now by about the middle of february if we're really in the muck or if um there's some light at the end of the tunnel yeah we're going to be in the podcast in red zone i think at some point because we've got brayman at home there's a transfer deadline day at the end of this week so that'll be a lot of stuff to talk about like just the starters, there's the Barcelona under-19s game for the, yeah. the team on the Tuesday. Uh, on the Wednesday, we've got the Union at home game that should have been played last week. Uh, and yeah, like you say, after that Stuttgart game, which again, that's going to be difficult looking at the way that they've been playing this season. We're going to have to start sort of, yeah, are we looking up? Are we looking down? Uh, and who knows at this point? There's going to be an explicit sign next to our name, by the way, I reckon, about mid, mid-February, mid because if things carry on the way they are, I don't think we'll trust ourselves not to, to chuck some swear words in. Yeah, I, I mean, we've I've already been carefully editing out some of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not today, but uh, in previous episodes. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be, be interesting to see what happens. Uh, until then, Sheridan, have a good one. And yourself, take care. Cheers. Bye.